Today, we're going to talk about true riches. Now, you've heard about preachers talking about how you can be rich. Well, I'm going to be one of those today. True riches. Today we're going to look at two passages of scripture and hopefully learn some things that will truly change your life. That one's good. I just opened it. You can take that one back. You did? Okay. Well, it won't be the first time. Before we we get into these uh, two passages of scripture today. Uh, I want to point out a somewhat ugly truth that most of us already know. God's Word teaches us what God has done for fallen mankind. The Lord teaches us how to be saved and how to know we're saved. The Word of God tells us how to escape hell, how to go to heaven. And I, I trust that those are things that most of us clearly want, hopefully all of us. But these truths make up a very small percentage of your Bible. Most of your Bible, most of it, is about how the Lord wants us to change after we're saved. Now for many Christians, their lives have not really changed all that much since they've been saved. How about you? Are you saved? How, how long have you been saved? And Has your life really changed since you trusted Jesus to save you from your sins? A few years ago, I read a story about three guys out on a lake fishing. And I shared it with you back then. It's a pretty good story. I'm going to share it with you again today. Three guys. They were out on a lake fishing. And they met an angel out on the lake. And when they understood that the angel had been sent to give them a blessing, the one fellow who was hard of hearing, and John and I can really relate to that guy, he asked the angel if he would heal him of his deafness. And so the angel reached out and he took off the guy's hearing aids and he threw him in the lake. And immediately this man had perfect hearing. And the second fellow who was nearly blind He asked the archangel that had come to visit them if he could, uh, said, if I could just see without these horrible thick glasses I have to wear. And the angel reached out and he took off the man's glasses and he threw them in the lake. And immediately the man had perfect 20-20 vision. Now the third fella had been watching all this happen. And the angel started to come to him in the boat and he, he said, He yelled at the angel, don't touch me. I'm on disability. (laughs) Now that's a terrible story. But it illustrates the fact that not everybody wants Jesus to change their life. And that's kind of sad. Go with me now to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read a pretty long section of scripture here. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge 
of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are we given are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity or love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Neither be barren nor unfruitful. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God tells us here that according as his divine power, according to that power, he has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now we're going to go to that second passage. That second passage is in Luke 16, beginning in verse number 9. This is Jesus talking, and he said to the disciples, And I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail they may receive you into into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? That's the title of our sermon today, True Riches. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, Who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is from a Greek word, mammonus. It means greed for wealth or for money. Here it becomes obvious to us that money among the... Among the things of value and importance in life, money is the least of that. But what are these true riches that he's talking about? Now we're going to go back to our original text in 2 Peter. God tells us there that he, through his divine power, hath given to us, his children, everything we're ever going to need in two categories. One is life and one is godliness. Now we all want the things that pertain to life, don't we? Like a good job, money in the bank, 
pantry full of groceries, good health insurance, and much more. I mean, you could make a really long list out of this. But godliness, not so much. We don't worry about godliness near as much as we are concerned ourselves with the things about life, daily life. Two categories, the things that pertain to life and things that pertain to godliness. He says in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Being a partaker of the divine nature... Would you consider that a true rich, truly, that true riches? And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. There it is again. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love or charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren. A Christian that's barren, what is that? That's, that's a Christian that's never brought anybody else to Jesus. That's what it means to be barren, not to produce children. He said, these things be in you at abound, they'll make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. You've read about the fruits of the Spirit. You see, Jesus came as a baby in Bethlehem, as the Word made flesh. Pretty wonderful concept. But now... Today, he has come to us as the flesh made into the Word. You have the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Thus, when you receive the Word, in the Word, you're going to find the Gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, how he was buried and how he rose again the third day for our sins. In the word, you're going to find the gospel, which has the power to make you a child of God. It is in God's word that we find the power to receive all of God's promises. And it is through those promises that he provides everything that we need. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, Did God give apostolic power just to wave our hand and we can turn stones into groceries? Any of you you can do that? It hasn't worked out for me that way. He gave us basically two things. God gave us principles and he gave us promises. Now, before we go too much further, I want to remind you that Christians are not governed by the same laws and the same rules that govern the rest of the world out there. We have promises from God that the rest of the world does not have. 
all of the promises that God provides power to see fulfilled. You know what the least of them is? The least of those promises are the power to get wealth, the financial promises. There are a bunch of financial promises in your Bible. And yes, on the list of priorities, they are the least. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18 says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. That ought to be important to you because everybody in here wants wealth. You have to use that to buy groceries. You have to use that to provide your shelter. Learning how this works is a really great way to get started. Folks, there are biblical principles that must be observed in order to experience God's power that provides wealth. Giving is only one of God's principles of prosperity. That's just one. There are many, many more. Let me give you an example. One of God's principles of prosperity that gets severely overlooked. I don't know how to say it any clearer than that. But you must learn, if you're going to prosper financially, you must learn to see yourself as a servant. No, I want to be the boss. Sorry. You must learn to see yourself as a servant. How do you see yourself, particularly out there in the workplace? Ephesians 6 and verse 5 says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. That's talking about your workplace. With fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. So do you see yourself as a servant or do you see yourself more as an equal to the boss or the customer maybe? Or maybe a little smarter or maybe a little better? The Bible's pretty adamant about this service thing. You need to be careful about how you see yourself out there. Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 24, He said, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Your job is that of a servant. If you run a business, your customer is the one that you're to be a servant to. You are to provide whatever product or service you agreed to provide on time, Every time, and to do it the way the one who writes the check wants it done. That's how servants work. This is what servants do. Good ones do it with fear and trembling. Especially, especially if you understand who you are really working for. Now you may work in a plant or in a small business or at a desk or at a mechanic shop or in front of a computer or any number of places. You might, you might even work preaching in a church. You say, that's not work. Come try it if you don't think it's work. <clears throat> but Christians, we are really serving the Lord. 
No, you're serving the Lord. I'm working for that no good scoundrel down there that won't pay me enough. That's not, that's not how a servant views his Lord. Here's what it says. Ephesians 6 verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Brothers and sisters, it is Jesus that we work for. Whatever you're doing, it is the Lord whom we serve. And what most do not understand, and if you get a hold of this, it will transform your life. What most do not understand, it is the Lord who sets our pay rate as well. I was having a discussion with one of you about his pay rate this morning. I told him it would be a real good idea if he'd listen close to today's sermon. He said, is that in the Bible? Let me read verse 8. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. The check, the check may come through the boss or through the customer or through the company, but it comes from the Lord. Luke 6.38, one of the first verses I, I latched on to early in my Christian life. It says, give, Jesus said, by the way, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. Well, here it says men give. It does come through men, but it comes from the Lord. He says, for with the same measure that you meet with all or that you give it out, it shall be measured to you again. You can use a little tiny measure or you can use a five-gallon bucket measure. I have come to understand that the measure with which God blesses me or he releases his blessings to me, they've already been provided since before the foundation of the world. It's determined primarily by my attitude as a servant. In addition to serving with fear and trembling, the Bible says we are to serve, verse 5 says, with singleness of heart. You know what that means? It means when you go to work, that you actually focus on what it is that you're getting paid to do. I know Christians that pull their Bible out and put it on their desk when they go to work. And that's all well and good, but you're there to work. You're there to do what the boss is paying you to do. And God says that's what you're be busying yourself about. He said, not with eye service as men pleasers. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to fall all over myself with this next word. It's ophthalmodulia. In the Greek, it means sight labor. It means someone who needs watching. Now, you, na- you may not be able to pronounce this word, but it means to don't be somebody that needs watching. 
be somebody that turns out the same work whether they're being watched or not. Verse 7 says, with good will doing service. This is doing your job kindly and gladly with the best interest of your employer or your customer at heart. He's paying you to be there for him. She's paying you to be there for her or for the company. She's not paying you to show up for you. Some of you think you did a good job just because you showed up. Sorry, that's not how it works. Many think they deserve better than what they're getting paid. You have two choices if that's you. Here are your two choices. You could just go to your knees and pray and ask God to give you what you really deserve. Anybody want to do that? I didn't think so. Or you could just go about being worth far more than what you're getting paid and just see what happens. Perhaps the most important aspect of your attitude is that of gratitude. Colossians 3.17. Look at, look at what the, the great apostle. I'll tell you what. If there's anybody that served with an attitude of a servant. It was Paul the apostle. He did. Here's what it says. He said. And whatsoever you do in word or deed. Do all. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God. And the father by him. And verse 15 goes on to say, and be ye thankful. When's the last time you thanked the Lord for the job you have? Sometimes you have to be without one for a while to appreciate having one. Of all the things that matter most, you can't even get to those until you become faithful with your money first. Pastor, you said money was the least of things. It is. Very much so. So why, why is it so important that you learn to prosper financially? Well, I'm glad you asked. You did ask, didn't you? The reason it's so important is because he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in the much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, wealth, financial stability, money, who, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now we've, we've read from Second Peter what the true riches are. And they are true riches. But you're not even going to get to those until you learn to be faithful with your money. And verse 12 says, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds to me like verse 12 is talking about tithing. You know that tenth that doesn't belong to you? The tithe is the Lord, the Word of God says. Of all the things that matter in your relationship to the Lord, 
Money is the least important of all of them, just like verse 10 says. Having said that, learning and applying the principles of financial prosperity, learning to faithfully give, learning to be a proper servant, learning generosity, these are basic to Christian life, and they teach you how to go about achieving victory in the areas that matter the most. You're never going to get to those areas that matter the most until you can be faithful with the least. Do you understand what Jesus taught us here? Some of you are faithful in the least. And you know very well what I'm talking about. You know what God comes along and does with that. You see, you can possess the power of God to succeed in every aspect of your life. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Would God that we could all care as much about the things that pertain to godliness as we care about the things that pertain to life? It would change the world if we did. Our world for sure. The power to do all those things power to change your life. Do you want the Lord to change your life? Well, you've kind of got to say so when you're sitting here in a crowd that, and you know you're supposed to. But the truth is that not every Christian wants Jesus to change his or her life. I, I don't want to be one of those. I'm getting old, but I still... My life still needs some changes. I have not arrived. The power to change your life comes through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. It says he called us to glory and virtue. Well, it's understandable that we're to give glory to God. The Bible says whatsoever we do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. But here he's saying here that he's called us to glory and virtue. Virtue is goodness. How are you going to give God glory when you don't have any? When there's nothing in your life that's changed? Nothing in your life that's glorious? What's going on in your life that's glorious? My confidence in Jesus is glorious. I'm going to quit now. I've run out my time. and You know, with knowledge that comes from godly knowledge, God comes from the Word of God and the wisdom to apply it, I, I, I really want you youngsters, that's anybody under 60, and this group is a youngster. I want you to understand that you can do anything that's in God's will. You really can. There's nothing standing in your way. You put your trust in Jesus to save you from your sins. People say people talk about getting saved, and they don't they don't understand that getting saved is not something you do because you prayed a prayer or you did this or you joined that. 
Salvation is something that when you put your trust in Jesus, that he himself will come to live in your heart and he will take your spirit, which is dead in sins, and make you alive again on the inside. And that will change you. And it will keep changing you every day that you breathe God's good air on this world. 2 Peter 1.8. That's where the true riches lie. Jesus, he said, if these things be in you and abound. Abound is active, multiplying, moving. They make you that you shall neither be barren. I'm glad today that when I go to heaven, there's some people up there already that know me. There's some people that's coming after me that I can introduce to Jesus. Nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. Go get you some of those true riches, folks. And you can go home today and say, the preacher said that Jesus wants to make us rich. And he does. He absolutely does. He might even give you enough money to pay your bills in the process if you'll take those financial responsibilities and principles seriously. We're going to stand together for a song of invitation. I don't know what the Lord had to say to your heart in all of this. Some of you probably don't know him yet. You haven't experienced that transformation on the inside that you desperately need to experience. Because that's the beginning of the best life has to offer right there. That's where it starts. Jesus said that, we read it in Sunday school today. He said, he that cometh to me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, which God wants to place in you. His own very own spirit. That's what he wants for your life. Not a single person on the planet who got saved that ever was sorry that they did. Not one. And you will not be the first. I promise you that.